Hello and welcome to the Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. We're delighted that you've chosen to press play on this podcast today. My name is Johnny and I'm part of the teaching team here at the Forge. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching directed by God that ties into everyday life. We hope that today's talk encourages you. on another road trip this month. I don't know if you've been on any exciting trips so far this summer. Maybe a day out to the North Norfolk coast or maybe something a little further afield this year. Perhaps this has been the summer where you visited parts of the UK that you haven't normally been before or you wouldn't have even considered, choosing normally for a more exotic holiday destination. But circumstances have meant that you've ventured a little closer to home. Well, road trips can be such, such fun, full of good conversation and laughter. They can also be a right pain, especially if, like me, you have three kids to contend with in the back seat who either need separating from each other, need food or need a wee, like desperately right now whilst you're on the outside lane of the M25. Road trips can be eventful and stressful. But this month, we've been looking at journeys that Jesus took with his friends. Journeys that often took a twist, and this week is no different. And as we look at Jesus' journey, we might learn some lessons along the way that might well help us in our current circumstance, whatever that might be. I've been on a few memorable road trips. When I was younger, we'd spend most of our holidays in St Ives in Cornwall, and I have really fond memories of getting up at 3am, having gone to bed in our clothes, and driving through the night to Cornwall. It was so exciting. The excitement of getting pancakes with maple syrup at the little chef just outside Honiton. So great. I also remember driving from Ipswich to Plymouth and back again via central London all in one day for a wedding. That was a lot of driving and a little bit stressful because we weren't sure we'd make it to the wedding on time. But it was great. And a few years ago now, someone I knew was going off to do the Three Peaks Challenge. If you're not aware of what this is, it's climbing three mountains, one in Scotland, one in the Lake District and one in Wales, all within a 24 hour time period. So a group of them were going to do this, but they needed a driver. So I thought to myself, I don't mind driving. Sounds pretty fun. I could drive that. And it was fun. Even when Johnny, who's on the staff team here at the Forge, managed to leave his walking boots at the base of Ben Nevis. I don't know how you do that, but we laughed about it for hours and he had to borrow mine to complete the rest of the walking. See, some of these journeys that have taken place for me happened over 30 years ago, but I remember them so vividly. When road trips or journeys go well, they can create the best memories. But when they get disrupted by the unplanned, they can cause pain and upset and leave you with bad memories. My parents live in France and going back a few years now, the 10 hour journey would be torturous with two boys that argued and fought what felt like the whole time there. Or when you get a flat tyre or the car breaks down and it's a major inconvenience to your journey. Or even worse, the journey that ends in a fatal car accident ripping a family apart. Or that holiday that you thought was going to fix your marriage, but you return sitting side by side in uncomfortable silence, having made the decision to part. Some trips are devastated by an unwanted disruption and it's those parts of our journey we're wrestling with today. What do we do when disruption comes our way? when the unexpected is thrown at us, when we're blindsided. While the friends of Jesus that he travelled with, his disciples, they had a journey just like that. And before we get to the disruption though, let me just give you a bit of background. 
For a couple of years now, Jesus travelled around from place to place, teaching people, telling them about God, his father, healing people, making them well again and performing other miracles. When he travelled, though, he didn't travel alone. He had these friends, commonly known as the 12 disciples or apostles. They went with him. They stayed with him. They ate with him. They learned and taught with him. And I'm sure they had many memorable moments as they travelled, moments that they wouldn't forget. Especially the times when they stayed with random people or slept in the bottom of a boat or when they didn't know what they would eat and Jesus would miraculously produce food for them all. Now, most of their road trips would have been on foot and you can just imagine them, can't you, walking along those dusty roads together, sometimes in deep conversations about the meaning of life and other times joking and laughing with one another, much like we would do. Or perhaps they would listen to Jesus tell amazing stories that had a deeper meaning. I can't imagine there was ever a dull moment on a road trip with Jesus, and there certainly wasn't on the journey we join him on today. So going back 2,000 years, Jesus is at a town called Jericho, not far from Jerusalem. And he just told this man called Zacchaeus, who was up a tree, to come down, as him and his friends were going to come round for tea. Oh, and by the way, we're going to stay overnight too. See, I told you, a road trip with Jesus was never dull. So Zacchaeus comes down, he hears what Jesus had to say, turns from his old ways and starts to follow God. Jesus and the disciples then continue their journey towards Jerusalem. And it's at the time of Passover, where hundreds of thousands of Jews will gather and come together to celebrate. But Jesus knew this isn't just any Passover, something else is going to happen in Jerusalem. The thing that he has spent his life preparing for, the time is coming where he will be arrested, beaten and eventually crucified. Now, Jesus had hinted to his friends many times about what is to come, but it appears his disciples still didn't quite get it. His friends might have been thinking, well, that was a nice little stay with Zacchaeus. Now let's get celebrating in Jerusalem. Or they might have been pondering the latest story Jesus had just told them about a man and his servants' investments. But we get to this part in the book of Luke chapter 19, as Jesus and the disciples come into Jerusalem. And at this point, Jesus goes ahead of them. Maybe something Jesus did often, but we don't know. It appears, though, he went ahead as preparations had to be made for his entrance into the city itself. And the Bible tells us this. And it came to pass when he came near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village opposite you, where as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? You shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owner of it said to them, why are you loosing the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of him. A bit random telling your friends to go and steal slash borrow a donkey for you. But if you've been around Jesus long enough, these friends would know not to question what Jesus asked of them. Whatever they thought, what we have here is disruption to their road trip. The disruption here comes threefold. Firstly, for the disciples. It wasn't what they had planned for the day, being donkey bandits for Jesus. But it wasn't just the disciples. The person, the owner of the donkey, was also affected. I'm sure when he asked why they were loosing the colt, it wasn't in a calm, inquisitive way. It'd be like watching someone break into your car and hot-wiring it. I'm not sure you'd politely ask, uh, what is that you're exactly doing with my car? No doubt donkeys were in high demand in Jerusalem during Passover. This owner could well have been an Uber driver of his time, saving his young colt for his first outing. And it was probably an inconvenience and certainly a disruption to his plans to have his donkey taken. But he appears to accept the answer that Jesus needed it. We don't know if he knew Jesus or was a fan of his teachings. 
Maybe he'd heard of the many miracles and knew this wasn't a guy that you miss with, mess with or say no to. Whatever the reason, he lets them take the donkey. The thing with this disruption, though, is it appears totally left field, and that's the thing with any disruption, on a road trip or a disruption in life for that matter. They're more often than not completely unexpected and something you didn't plan or prepare for. We don't get told what the owner or the disciples were thinking, but maybe things were starting to fall into place. Perhaps the disciples were putting two and two together and the things that Jesus had previously said to them was making sense. Things like, a new kingdom is coming. You will not have me with you for long or the son of man will be handed over and betrayed. Perhaps those things were starting to make a little more sense. Perhaps they started to whisper amongst themselves, is this what Jesus meant? Is this the time that he's been telling us about? But the other disruption of this story of the cult borrowing is what Jesus is about to do for all mankind. See, God's whole plan with Jesus was disruption, to disrupt the status quo and show a different way. Up till now, the way people got right with God was through sacrifice of animals and ritual. And in this very moment that Jesus comes into Jerusalem on this borrowed cult, the Jewish people, God's people, are celebrating another ritual, Passover, where they remember what God did for the Israelites of the Old Testament in leading them out of Egypt. And it was no coincidence that God chose this time of Passover to be the time that Jesus would become the lamb to be sacrificed, the biggest and best disruption of them all. So Jesus enters this city on this borrowed cult at a time of celebration and joy, and the story unfolds. It eventually leads to his arrest and death, the most sombre affair, a disruption. What was once a time of celebration became a time of grief. Disruptions have this knack of turning a time of joy and celebration into something hard and sad and certainly initially not so joyful. But disruptions don't have to be a bad thing. Three years ago, we went to South Africa as a family and had the most amazing time, seeing our good friends Dan and Jen, visiting communities that our church partners work in and going on safari. It came time for us to leave our hearts full and we headed to the airport for our two-part flight via Germany. We were soon told, though, that due to strikes in Germany, there was no flight from Frankfurt to London. Slight problem, as a long journey with two small boys was now about to become even longer and more stressful. After speaking to three or four very unhelpful airline staff, they still couldn't tell us what we could do or how we were going to get home. And coming very close to missing the first flight, we decided we'd get the flight from Joburg to Frankfurt and then we'd sort the rest out when we were in Germany. Now, it wasn't the end of the world, but it was an unexpected and unwanted disruption to our journey one we hadn't planned for. The memories we'd just created the previous 10 days were slowly turning grey. We didn't have any euros to spend for the day we were in Germany. We didn't have extra snacks or drinks to get us through and to entertain the boys. And my GCSE German was rusty at best. But disruptions wouldn't be disruptions if we could plan for them. Actually, it turned out we had a great day exploring Frankfurt and it extended our holiday by an extra day. The thing is, the disruptions we have in life, the job we get made redundant from, the unexpected death of a family member, the sale of a house falling through, cannot be planned for, but they can be part of the plan. Let me just say that again. Disruptions can't be planned for, but they can be part of the plan. The disruption Jesus was and caused couldn't be planned for. He didn't tell his friends in detail what to expect in Jerusalem. He didn't ring ahead and book the donkey. I think the disciples learned pretty quickly that if you hang out and follow Jesus long enough, you have to become pretty good at being flexible and spontaneous. So what do we do when disruptions come and interrupt this journey of life and change our plans? Well, when disruption comes, we can ask ourselves these questions. 
Firstly, is this disruption of God? Now, not all disruptions are caused by God, but he will use it one way or another. Maybe God is leading you into something else. That redundancy you didn't see coming could open up a dream opportunity you never thought possible. In the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, it says God's ways and thoughts are higher and better than our ways and thoughts. And that is what we have to cling on to. If the answer is yes, this disruption is of God, we have to trust that he knows best. Even if it feels tricky and horrid at the time. But when asking this question about whether the disruption is from God, you might well come at me with, how on earth would I know that? One of the things I think a lot of us struggle with is working out whether something is God's will or not. I know this because it's something I hear time and time again from people and something I've struggled with in my own life. I think God wants me to do X, Y, Z, but I'm not quite sure. I'm not sure if this is the job that he has for me. How do I know if this guy is the one? Now, one of the ways you will know if something is God ordained and planned for you is by knowing God, knowing him personally. Dig deeper into him. Search the Bible for your answer. You can talk to him. You can ask him. You can also seek the advice and counsel of wise friends. Ask them what they think. See, disruptions can be hard at the best of times. You will need your friends around you. From this point on in your life, everything might change. It did for the disciples in Jerusalem. What started with borrowing a donkey led to their friend being arrested and killed. But we know that wasn't the end because there was joy again when he rose three days later. But a disruption in your journey is far harder to walk if you're walking it alone. Now, sometimes you will have a choice to make with a disruption. You can let it disrupt you or you could ignore it. You could turn around and you could walk back the way you came. Word of warning here, though, if the answer to this first question is yes, that this is a disruption from God that is coming your way, you might not have much choice in ignoring it. Take Jonah, for instance. God wanted him to go somewhere and he said no. And he found himself in a large fish for a few days and then was vomited up on a beach. Funnily enough, Jonah didn't try and avoid God's instruction to go to Nineveh the next time he was asked. However, there may be unhelpful and unhealthy disruptions in life that you have had a hand in, that God would rather you didn't entertain for your own good. Disruptions you can avoid and you can walk away from. The relationship that comes along that turns your life upside down and not for the better. Make a decision now to do a U-turn on it before the disruption becomes destructive. Another book in the old, uh, sorry, in the New Testament part of the Bible, 1 Corinthians, reminds us we're not always the best to judge and to make our own decisions. It says this, we only know in part, but God knows everything. Now, the second question you can consider when disruption comes your way is this. What can this disruption teach me? There are things that will be personal to each of us, depending on the disruption that's happening. But I also think there are some generic things that disruption teaches, things we can all learn. It teaches us to be patient, to trust, to hold on to the things that really matter, that being a relationship with God. See, all the things of this world that we know could be taken away, but the love God has for you cannot be destroyed or changed. He doesn't change and can't be shaken and is the only one thing that can be fully relied on. God knows disruption. He brought it about with Jesus. He shook things up. He might be shaking you up right now and it might not be part of your plan, but it is a part of his. This COVID pandemic has been a massive disruption to the whole world. It has disrupted every system in our world, including our lifestyle comforts, worldly interests and worldly securities. Whatever else disruption may bring, it will bring growth personally 
and in our relationship with God if we let it. There's a letter in the Bible that a guy called Paul wrote to his friends at Ephesus and it says this, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Is disruption good or bad? Well, it's both. For some, it's it's an opportunity. For others, it's a threat. What it is, though, is an opportunity for God to do something more, abundantly more. When the disciples untied that cult, it disrupted their journey, but God was doing something more. When the owner of that cult allowed his donkey to be taken, he was part of a story that was greater. Will you let God come and disrupt you? Will you allow him to do something greater and abundantly more? He might even ask you to become a disruption, to change and to challenge something of this world, to bring some of God's kingdom here on earth. To follow his son Jesus means following the disruption, being open to holy disruption and being the disruption in this world. That's all for this week. Thanks once again for joining us. We'd love to keep the conversation going, so why not check out Forge Church UK on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram? Or go online at forgechurch.com where you can watch other content, find the next step, give financially, or see any details of what's currently going on in and around the Forge. We're looking forward to you joining us next time.